Welcome to Cover Stories with Chess Life, the U.S. Chess Federation's podcast that goes behind the scenes and more in-depth about each month's Chess Life magazine cover story. Make sure to listen to our family of U.S. Chess podcasts, which includes One Move at a Time on the second Tuesday of each month, where Dan Lucas talks to people who are advancing our mission statement, Ladies' Night, which drops on the third Tuesday of each month, hosted by our women's program director, Jennifer Shahadi, and on the fourth Tuesday of each month, Chess Underground, hosted by our assistant director of national events, Pete Cargianis, in which he examines the game's eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. All can be found at the podcast link on Chess Life Online at uschess.org, or you can subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Today's guest on Cover Stories with Chess Life is pulling double duty. He's the author of the April 2021 cover story, and he is also its subject. Grandmaster Hans Niemann is, to my knowledge, America's newest grandmaster, having crossed the 2500 barrier uh, in December after earning his three grandmaster norms. The title became official on January 22nd, 2021, after final approval from FIDE. This last step was the culmination of a long road for Neiman, chronicled in his article, The Road to Grandmaster. We hear about Neiman's early days, about his scholastic successes and later struggles, and about the mental changes he needed to make to finally achieve his goals. We're speaking to Hans as he nears the end of his long European sojourn, in which he, uh, which he talks about at the end of his article. Perhaps we should start there. Hello, Hans, and thanks for taking the time to talk to Cover Stories. Where are you right now, and how have all those tournaments gone? Um, so I'm in um, Bassano del Grappa in Italy. It's in the north, like an hour out of Venice. Um, you know, my, my tournament results on paper recently haven't been great. You know, I've faced some setbacks, but um, I'm honestly not that disappointed um, because I'm really just enjoying um, playing so much chess, especially during a pandemic and getting so much you know valuable experience against top players and um you know my my journey although has been very long is is still not far from over as i'll probably be here for another two months and you know i i'm just uh, think that i'm gaining a lot of experience learning a lot and i'm um, hoping that eventually that's reflected in our results soon this is a bit of a throwback actually because um you know, in in the eighties, in the nineties, when uh, when I started playing, uh, grandmasters often talked about how they had to go to Europe to to get experience and to eventually earn their title. Um, and you've been there now, what for three months? Just uh, almost three months, and you're going to be there for another two more. Longer, actually. Okay. Longer than three months, actually. Uh, I arrived December eleventh to play in Spain, and so and um, I'm going to be coming back probably for the national open so early june so it'll be about you know six months in europe um well te- i was in serbia for a bit and non eu you know technically countries but it's been quite the the journey for sure so how many tournaments have you played and and uh, as you say you're gaining experience but what do you think you'll be bringing home with you specifically well uh, i think um coming home i'm, I'm you know kind of with the belief that, you know, I really have the ability to make chess my career. Um, and 
num- additionally, I found that um, like the actual lifestyle of a chess player, traveling around and um, just playing chess the entire time. Normally, I've been maybe hesitant to jump into that as a full time career, but honestly, these past few months have been really enjoyable for me on a you know career level and a personal level, just enjoying traveling. Um, so I think now I'm at the point where I'm ready to commit to chess and um, I'm ready to pursue and continue a professional career, you know, despite setbacks. Because in the past, um, like right now, the past maybe month or month and a half has been a bit rough and very discouraging. But, um, you know, I kind of am in the right mindset now to where my commitment to chess and to improving, to competing is is based on, you know, my, my passion and not uh, seeking results uh, spe- specifically. And you haven't been alone either on this trip. I think at the beginning and also more recently, you've had some of your uh, top fellow American juniors there with you as well. Well, yeah, they're all, they're playing the same tournaments, but I, I've I've always been rooming alone. I wouldn't say we're like traveling together, but yeah, no, I, they they're here now. They were they were um, in Italy and Spain before, um, and they're also here now. But I wouldn't say we're like traveling together. Uh, I, I I I'm in a separate hotel, um, but um, I, I do say that it's nice to have like some some friends. Um, the the they we're speaking of uh, would be Nico Checa, Jennifer Yu, and Atula Shetty. Is that correct? Yeah, Jennifer and Nico were in Spain and Italy um, during the holidays. But yeah, Atulia is here now. In addition to them, so we'll have to uh, when we uh, when we do put this out next week, uh, we'll have to have everybody checking on their uh, the results at chessresults.com to see how everything worked out. It's not really common for someone at your stage of life. You are, you're 17 right now as we record this on April 1st, 2021, uh, to be writing a retrospective of a career. Uh, what, what was it like writing this piece? Did it, did it bring back memories? What, what did it make you think about? The interesting thing about writing the piece was that uh, writing the, it, it was right after I finished writing my college application essays. Um, so it was good timing because about a month before I began writing it, I was already kind of being very retrospective about my life and reminiscing about experiences that I could write about in a college essay. Um, so it wasn't that like new of a thing to, to be retrospective. And I've done writing before. Um, and my, I did an article um, when I won the grade nationals and I had my 20 and 0. And I guess that had some retrospective elements. Um, I really like that article personally. I think that's uh, people can find that on Chess Life on on Chess Life Online, and uh, yeah, the, there's a photo that was taken of you by by uh, uh, Kimberly Dew McVeigh. That is just, I mean, you're, you're standing there with the trophies and the medals and uh, looking incredibly triumphant. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that was it was quite the moment. Um, it was also great um, for my school as well, um, since. Chess is taken very seriously at the school, and there were there were like a a group of like twenty kids like greeting me from my school, like streaming and cheering. So it's quite the uh, unique experience to be representing um, a school rather than just myself individually. Now, you also did a photo shoot as part of this uh, part of this cover story package, uh, and this was in Belgrade with um with a photographer there who we found 
Braca Nadezdik. Um, and the photos are, I mean, anyone who sees the April issue, they're, they're striking. Uh, was this your first photo shoot like this? Um, for, for a magazine? Yeah, I believe so. For, yeah, I think so. Um, maybe when I was really young, I was, I was doing some, some auditions and stuff and I was maybe just something for a commercial, but I've never had like this formal of a, of a photo shoot to, to my recollection, at least, uh, it's um it's certainly i mean there were a lot of different photos that were that were presented to us for for editorial use but uh, the ones we all chose are they're all outside and 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 kind of in a really interesting environment what what was the shoot itself like yeah so we we started at a studio um where he had uh, like a chessboard set up and um he also had like a a, a checkered background with a chessboard and he hand carved like this knight and used a projector and there were some really cool shots. Um, and then um, I, I liked those a lot, but then we went outside and um, we parked at this, like this little place. It was, it was like a parking lot, but there's it's kind of like a center of um, little shops and pizzerias and whatever. And um, there was this place um, with a lot of like graffiti and art around it. And, um, there, it was just, was a really, really cool place to shoot. Um, and yeah, basically we, we kind of went through this area. There are a lot of sort of like natural things, um, that were cool, but yeah, I, he, he was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, and it was definitely, you know, really, really amazing experience. Yeah, definitely. Readers, um, who, who may not get the magazine, uh, mailed to them should go to uschess.org and, uh, uh, log in and, and check it out because the, the photos really are, I mean, striking. Uh, and I, I don't, do, do you feel like they sort of captured something about you or when you look at them, do you, do you recognize yourself in that, in, in those pictures? Well, from my recollection, I didn't smile in a single photo and that is something <laughs> that I, I stick to in every photo shoot that I take. Um, so I think as long as there are no photos of me smiling, then that is a proper representation of my bravado. Um, so that is something I'm pleased with. Maybe there's a, an outlier um, where, where he caught me when I wasn't paying attention. I, I I don't think there were any. I think you I think you kept the poker face very very well. That I'm I'm happy to hear that um, because that's just a, that's just the thing <laughs> that I I just I just don't smile in pictures. And if you can find me smiling like in a photo that's that, that must be old anyway yeah but i i think um it was just I, I think a good thing that it represented was that i think it presented me not really as a chess player um but more of as like a a figure or like a, an athlete or because i don't really it doesn't really look like a cover of, of a chess life magazine you know with, a, with considering the background and like what i'm wearing um like, you know, I think that represents my personality of how I'm not really a traditional chess player and how I have um, sometimes a, a polarizing personality in the world of chess. I, I, we, we'll get back to that when we talk a little bit about your experiences on Twitch. Um, but I, I think this, I think you're right. I think there's something about these photos that really uh, captures, captures a bit of you very, very well. So Brock did a fantastic job. 
Um, I, I did want to start. I wanted to talk about basically your career and sort of walk through some of the moments in your story and, and ask you to reflect on them. Um, so you, you weren't born in the United States. You were born in Holland. Is that correct? No, no, no. That's not correct at all. I was born in San Francisco. Okay. So, but then you, you moved to Holland and then you came back. Yes, yeah, so I can I can uh, outline it. Um, so uh, I was born in San Francisco when I was, you know, and then I lived there until I was two years old. And then I moved to um, Southern California, Laguna Beach, until I was seven years old. And then when I was seven, I moved to uh, Holland for my parents' work uh, and was there for almost three years. And then I moved back to, I think I, I might have outlined this. My, I don't think I, I think some of this in the article, but then I um, moved back to the Bay Area, Arenda, when I was 11, lived there for two years, moved to Connecticut when I was 12 or 13, and for about two or three years, and then I went to New York when I was 15 or 16. So you started playing chess, though, in, in the Netherlands when you were eight. Correct. Yeah, correct. But it wasn't it wasn't your first love. Um, what what was the what was really the priority in your life at that point? Well, I don't know about the word first love, um, but cycling was was my priority at the time. Um, I was quite a competitive um, cyclist, and I I in one year I I, did, I, I it was like 180 races or something, um, basically. Um, my, 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 my dad would pull my, you know, no offense to the, to my, to the public schooling system, but I would just be pulled out of school because I was bored and I go to like a cycling race or something. Um, so that's kind of what my childhood in Netherlands was like until I transferred to a, a, a private school. But then you started playing chess and, and how did it become more of a priority for you than cycling? Well, I just loved it a lot more and, um, I was just better at it and I won more when I did it and I liked winning. So in cycling, I was pretty good, but I couldn't just show up to any race and crush everyone. But in chess, I could do that. So, uh, I chose chess and chess was more of my own independent thing. Um, like the, the re- I didn't just get into cycling cause I liked it. Like, um, my dad had cycled um, when for for his early life, um, and I enjoyed it, so that's why I did it. Um, but it wasn't as much as an independent thing that I had discovered and wanted to pursue, um, like chess, because chess was something that um, I was like pleading uh, to do. So, in the article, you talk about your first tournament uh, in the United States, and and you talk about some of your early memories. You also mention uh, three coaches that helped you along the way. Can you talk a little bit about them and, and why each of them was important to you? Sure. So, um, I've spoken about this a bit before. Um, but, um, so when I was living in, um, the Bay area, California, uh, I would go to this coffee shop, um, called the blue Danube, which I'm hoping some people listening to this, um, are familiar with. I don't know what it's like right now, um, but I would go to this coffee shop um, as much as I could. My dad would take me there, and um, you know, I would I would order every time I'd order like the same chocolate cake, and, and I would sit there for hours and hours um, just playing blitz with guys like f- five times my age, um, 
and like that that is li- that you know uh, that was my activity of choice was to go to this chess club whenever and, and just play blitz um and there um one of the guys that I was talented and he wanted me to work with um John Grief uh international master former US champion um but I but I my family couldn't afford his rate um and couldn't afford consistent coaching. Um, so he volunteered to pay for the majority of it because he really wanted me to um, work with a coach because they sort of saw my talent um, in Blitz. Um, so John was really, really important for me um, because I was able to get a really passionate coach um, at a young age and um, John sort of had a lot of issues in his life, um, like health issues and financial issues. Um, but that never really got in the way of, of, of the chess. Um, so I, I have a lot of really fond childhood memories of him and he's just kind of a constant reminder of why I play chess. Um, if I ever start to, if all this fame and uh, money starts to get to my head. Um, so that's that. And then after that, um, he, he passed away, um, unfortunately. And um, I, I was one of the only people to, to visit him in the hospital. And that was quite a, I guess, defining experience in my, my chess career. Um, how, how old were you when that happened? When you, when you I believe I was a nine. coach, I believe I was wow. a nine. And, um, yeah, no, I, this was one of the things I wrote my, my uh, college essay about. But um, yeah, th- that was really sort of a, a, a experience that really um, kind of helped me um, push through with chess. Um, so after he passed away, um, I started working with John uh, Walter Brown. Sorry. I mean, I, I'm not sure the exact timing. Maybe it was the same time, but... Uh, Walter uh, and I would meet at this, uh, this, this like country club that he won a membership to for winning the U.S. Open, and I'd like go to the pool. Anyways, uh, uh, these guys are obviously really great chess players, but the main thing that I want to talk about with him is that these two both they were just so passionate about chess, and I just really really enjoyed it. And a lot of things they taught me weren't just chess; it was just like you know enjoying it. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, you know, Walter also passed away, and um, I was actually the last person to play him, and, and that was also quite a a sad experience. In a, in a tournament game or a Skittles game? Yeah, I know a tournament game at the National Open. Um, I hope to go there this year and play his Memorial Tournament. That's right. It's uh, I want to say June sixteenth through twentieth. Is that is those? Yeah, it is. Yes, that is correct. One of the first big over the board tournaments to come back. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and then I and then um, I worked with Maxim Delugi. Um, there's other people that I worked with, um, but I worked with Maxim Delugi starting from maybe 12 or 13 when I was moved out to um, uh, Connecticut, and he was more of like a really um, traditional Soviet-style chess coach and. Um, uh, he would just kind of throw a lot of information at me and, and I would kind of absorb it like a sponge 
and that with him, I sort of developed my game to a higher level and reached about 2,400 USCF. But at that point, um, I started, yeah. Anyways, that, that answers the question. I don't, I, I don't want to. Um, but anyways, there's a few other people I'll mention by name. Um, my first chess coach, I guess technically in in America, was Ray Kaufman. Um, I, I feel like bad if I'm like leaving people out. I worked with um, who did I work with? I worked with Yaroslav Zerbuk briefly for, for a bit. But um, anyways. Those three coaches, I think, deserve a lot of credits, um, and that's why uh, I'm mentioning them. Yeah. So, as you say, you moved from the Bay Area to to, to the New York area. You ended up in Connecticut, um, and you talk about yeah. the reason for this in the story. But I wonder if you could talk a little bit here about why you made the move and and the effect you you think it may have had on your play. Um, yeah. So the move was sort of a combination of things. Um, so. Uh, I have three younger siblings, if that if that wasn't mentioned, but my parents wanted us to get a, a good education at a, at a good public district. So um, we found my, my dad has some history in real estate, um, and it was Connecticut seemed like a good place for us. This, my public schooling system in, in my town is really, really great, um, one of the best in Connecticut, and um, it was also a good place for me to continue pursuing chess. Um, and I guess for most people, like a move, moving for such a reason um, is a bit extreme. Um, but uh, I guess moving for my family has been something that's quite normal. Yeah, you were saying you get, you do uh, you do seem to be a bit of a, a, a traveler. You, you've moved around quite a bit already at 17. Well, yeah, it's mainly for my my parents' work and stuff. and But sometimes it's been for chess. Mainly for me personally, it's it's been chess, but there's always a lot of factors. So you hit 2400 in January 2016, and you were in seventh grade. Um, and then, as you recount in the article, you you struggled. You your rating didn't really move that much for more than two years. What happened? Why and and why do you think you 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 suffered? Uh, your your chess suffered in this way. Well, um, and number one, uh, I think something people understand is that. Uh, there's a relativity of value of rating um, as you increase. For example, uh, the value or the, I guess, qu- you could even say qualitative or even quantitative in a way, value of the rating difference between 2300 and 2400 um, is significantly less than the, than 2400 to 2500, right? And for people, that's it's, it's, it, I guess it's hard to explain. I don't want to, to get into statistical uh, lecture here but uh once you reach a certain point uh each point is, is significantly harder to get um due to a lot of circumstances now, do you do you mean that because the actual rating changes less as you're as you're over 22 or or do you mean or do you mean that that um it just become because everybody's already so good it becomes harder and harder to make progress relative to them well, I can, uh, yeah. So number one, your K factor goes down. Right. So your your rating volatility decreases. Uh, number two, there's less players with a higher rating. Therefore, um, if you're 2100, for you to go play 10 2300s is pretty easy. But if you're 2400, for you to go play 10 2600s is basically impossible, right? Right. So as the, the um, you get higher, your 
ability to play against high-rated players and gain points has significantly decreased. However, in those two years, I do believe I, I well, people always use rating as a reflection of strength, which I think is really stupid. Because after that two-year plateau, I had a huge spike. And that's because I was improving and I was learning. And it was just a matter of the circumstances coming together. You could say that that happened when I became GM, right? Or it's just sometimes circumstances go your way. Um, but um, yeah, I, I went back to school in eighth grade. Um, uh, I was pretty lazy. Um, and I stopped really wanting to like, uh, I don't know. I think I kind of let it, the, the idea get into my head that I wasn't going to be a chess professional. Um, because I always want to be a chess professional. I always wanted to be a competitor, but I, I guess the idea of like that not being a viable career slowly seeped in my head um, and kind of uh, made me uh, demotivated in a way. So what did you, you, you talk a lot in the article about a, a difference in mindset that you feel was important. And, and it seems like you began to pick some of this up in 2019 when you moved to New York. Um, but this, this wasn't just you moving to a new school. You were, you were literally on your own. Uh, talk a little bit about this because I, I don't think people really understand your story without explaining this, this uh, novel situation you were in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of forget that it's not common knowledge because I've, I've talked about it a bit, a lot of my Twitch stream. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So um, my um, so in maybe September of after the summer of 2019, um, I went to this um, this like I, I don't know. I had this moment of maybe you could say epiphany, but I had this moment where I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to New York city somehow. Um, and, uh, I found a school that, uh, valued chess, Columbia grammar. I, you know, I talked to the, the, the head chess teacher, Sophia road. And, um, I decided to apply. Um, I had pretty good grades. Um, I did decent on their entrance exam. Um, and I, and I got in, but getting in wasn't really the issue. It was more the financial aid that I was going to be offered. And the tuition there is $53,000. Um, it's quite the elite and rigorous uh, prep school. Thankfully, basically all, all of it is covered. Um, so once I got in, um, you know, covering tuition wasn't that big of a deal. Um, since going to New York would require me to be on my own. I, I wanted, I've always kind of been an independent person. So I decided to start working as, as a chess coach. I worked uh, during the summer before going um, the summer of 2020 or 2019. And then I was working, you know, seven days a week as a, as a chess teacher, um, paying rent and, and kind of being a full on adult. Um, so that was that was also quite a, an interesting time for me as well. And so while all of this is going on, you, uh, you know, in, in the fall of 2019, uh, you, I think great nationals where you had the, was it 27 and O streak or was it 29? 29 and O, 29. Yeah. Uh, so that happened during this time. Uh, you got your second grandmaster norm 
in December of 2019. Correct. And then all of a sudden, as your you know your mindset has changed, you're getting the results that that I think you probably want. And then well, the I wouldn't hit. say that. Okay, I wouldn't say that. Um, Why not? One thing I'd like to say is that um, well, I had one great nationals. Um, obviously, it was a great accomplishment. Um, it wasn't like a new thing to me. Uh, I've won. I don't want to sound arrogant, but winning a national title kind of lost its uh, taste. Um, so I understand, like that sounds like super impressive, but for me, like as impressive as winning great nationals is, that's like not enough to be a chess professional. Um, like not even close. Um, so I don't. I think sometimes people underestimate how hard it is to be a, um, like competing as a chess professional. Um, but yeah, I got the norm, which was nice, but, um, I still kind of wasn't ready to fully commit to chess, but anyway, sorry. That's okay. Okay. I wonder if you could talk about that a little more because it's, it sounds like, you know, this is something that, that I think people can get a sense towards the end of the article that you were struggling with, you know, do I go to college? Do I continue on this chess professional path? Um, Mm. and, and you talk about, you know, how difficult it is to be a chess professional. I, I think no, people- it's just basically impossible. Like, the, it's not even dope. It's, it's it's basically impossible. Um, be, like, even what I'm doing now is, is is completely irrational and like going against all logic uh, I have. Um, well, okay, so then, so then let me ask: Why are you doing it? Well, because I just love chess and I believe in myself, and I don't want to like look back in 20 years and, and say I didn't, you know, try. Like any rational person would not go to Europe for six months in their senior of high school. And then give up all forms of income when they're doing pretty well financially, um, like streaming and coaching, and like it's it's pretty like uh, irrational what I'm doing, um, because um, before this I was I had a really I had a successful stream, I was you know uh, I was very financially secure. It's not that I am not am anymore. It's just uh, I would say it was it's quite a big risk, but. Uh, I think I, I I believe in myself, and uh, as irrational as my confidence may be to others, um, that's kind of what's going to keep me going, um, and we'll see 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 where it takes me. I did want to talk a lot about this. Well, not a lot. I, I did want to talk about the streaming because, it, as an outsider, it, it it feels like that was important not only in your chess development but also in your your brand, for lack of a better word, uh, for for lack of a better sure. word. Sure. Um, did you start streaming before the pandemic hit, or was that kind of a response to not no, no, being able no, to play? no, 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 absolutely not. Um, I was actually one of the early people to stream, um, but no one remembers because I wasn't very big. Um, but yeah, no, I streamed in 2018, some 2019, off and on. I did stream my Pro Chess League um, for the Norway Gnomes, um, but I kind of always had fun as a streamer. But then once the once I kind of saw the opportunity, but also I think streaming for me is just, um, I, I just kind of enjoy having a community, um, and, uh, and just doing what I enjoy and, uh, and as well, being able to compete as well. And it's, it, you know, opens doors as well. Like sometimes like life isn't fair and because I'm a, big streamer I'll get an invite to a tournament or I'll get conditions and sometimes it's kind of the, the game you have to play um, but uh, yeah I guess that's that's kind of how streaming is helping now but uh, before it was obviously 
quite big for my career as a, as a chess player. But um, I guess it was kind of uh, a detour um, to being a competitor because it's very tempting to not try to compete and just stream and bring in, a, you know, make a lot of money and just uh, stream. But uh, I guess you kind of have to make a decision at some point. It sounds like like you are not viewing chess as the next big esport, or or at least not in terms of your own path. No, no, absolutely not. No, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely not. That okay. is no, that's not no, not at all. Okay, uh, but so, I, th- so I then have, why not? So I'm thinking about something like, you know, we're we're watching these different streamers get these sponsorship deals with the big esports teams. Do do you look at that and think mm-hmm. that could have been me, or do you feel like? Well, it could have been me. I can talk about this. I had offers from from esports orgs. Um, okay. And I was close to signing multiple ones. Um, I, I, I can talk about that. Um, um, but it, it just kind of wasn't... I, I kind of came to a point um, where I, I had to make a sacrifice. Um, and I was either going to sacrifice, um, you could say, seven years of hard work and commitment as a competitor to be a streamer. Or I was going to sacrifice a year of streaming and making money and building my brands um, to 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 give my my dream shots. Um, so that was kind of my decision. You know, I think me see, me signing to an esports org in the in the future is very I'd say is very likely. But um, I I see all these online events. And I think that I may be qualified to play in these events. And I think my results, but my classical rating isn't high enough. Like I played in the Banter Blitz qualifier. I beat Malcolm Young's 2650 fide. I beat Zhang's 2700 fide. And I had to beat Lequang Liam to, to even qualify. Like, sure, my results might, but am I going to get a, a wild card to, am I going to get a chance to qualify for the Champions Chess Tour with a 2500 classical rating? Like, am I going to have any opportunities to like really make a name for myself competing online? Not at my current point. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. There, there was definitely as as I watched your stream when you were you know streaming a lot. Um, you, you definitely had a a very pronounced persona on stream. There was a brashness or a a boldness, as you said earlier, that that really came through. Do, do you do you feel like that's reflective of you in real life, or was that kind of like a character? No, 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 no. no I was not a character at all. I okay. think uh, people uh, definitely try to misconstrue uh, my personality quite a bit. And um, per, uh, personally, um, I'm very passionate about what I do. I'm very emotional, and I am not afraid of what people think. I'm not afraid to be labeled uh, and. Uh, I do what I want and I say what I want and I don't really care. Um, so sure. There's moments where people can say that I'm being immature, rash, whatever. Um, but I, I really don't care because I do what I want. Um, and I, and I, I have fun. So that's kind of my mentality. So people were watching on, on Twitch when you got your third norm in October, 2020 in Charlotte. Um, what was it like, to play like a serious over the board tournament, knowing people were watching you from all over the world. Did, did you feel pressure to, to perform or? No, no, no. I, I think the only pressure I ever feel is the pressure I put on myself. Um, I, I never really feel pressure from other people. Um, that's just, just, just how it is with me. Yeah, it was, it was nice. It was, it was, I definitely didn't want to, it definitely motivated me, but I don't think it, um, it, it, it was good. Um, 
and I think it was a unique experience. Um, but uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, I haven't really done it recently, but uh, maybe I will. But uh, yeah, that's all I can really say about that. To get to 2,500, you decided to, to head to Europe. And, and at the end of the article, you talk about it being one of the best decisions you ever made. Um, why was it one of the best decisions? Was it, was it simply that, that you would have the opportunity to get the rating or, or was it something about the experience of going and, and being in Europe for so long? I think it's a mix of both. Um, I guess the result was, was pretty nice, but uh, just being able to like go to Europe and, and just do what I want and just kind of only focus on chess was, was a really unique experience. Um, and I think that, um, it also helped me realize that I can just stay in Europe and there's no reason to leave. Um, you know, America is, is great, but there's just no tournaments uh, right now, or I guess they're coming up, but, uh, I don't really want to sit by and, and wait for opportunities to come. I think I'm, I'm kind of have this go getter mentality. So, if I if people say it can't be done, you know, I'm going to go to Europe for for four months and try to make it happen. So I'm curious. You you talked a lot in the article about a shift in mindset that was important for you to get to be a grandmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, can can you talk a little bit about what you had to change mentally to get where you want to be? Yeah, yeah. So um, you could say I focused more on results, but I also worked really really hard. Um, when I was taking this break from streaming and preparation. Um, so I realized that um, in order to get where I wanted to be, I needed to really work. So that to me, that meant six to 10 hours a day, sometimes more. Um, to me, that meant, you know, cutting out Blitz and Bullet. And, and then I also just playing a lot of training games. Um, but I feel like the best thing I can do is kind of numb myself to results. But again, that's something... That's is, is kind of impossible to do, but uh, you kind of have to try. When when you say numb yourself to results, do you mean that, like the winning or losing isn't? Yeah, what's it's not critical. The goal, it's, the goal it's, it's, is to improve, and you know, for me, uh, my only goal in chess is to become world champion. Right? Um, anything else, and I'll be disappointed. So you kind of have to never. For me, I just don't lose out of what's important. Right? I'm as unrealistic as it is, um, I'm going to continue to play chess, continue to improve, continue to work hard. And if life takes me out of the path, you know, that's how it is. Um, but, uh, I'm going to try because I believe in myself. So what's next for you? I mean, you're going to be in Europe for a couple of months. You said, um, at the end of the article, you talk about making a college decision. Uh, where does that stand? Are you, are you planning on attending a university? Are you putting it off? Are you going to uh, try to be a professional player for a while and then see what happens? Well, it all depends on uh, if I get into Harvard or not. Um, I did apply to one of the universities, St. Louis University, um, but that's not really something I'm considering. Um, so right now it's it's kind of Harvard or nothing. Um, so if I don't get into Harvard, um, uh, it, it would just be a gap year, I guess, and maybe I'd reapply, maybe I wouldn't reapply. Um, if I get into Harvard, that's again, another big decision to decide if I want to go, if I want to take a gap year, two gap years, um, it's a lot of things to contemplate. 
can I ask, can I ask what's, I mean, of course it's Harvard. So, I mean, of course you'd want to go there, but what, what is it about Harvard that makes it so boom or bust that, you know, it, it's Harvard or nothing in that respect? Well, um, I guess that's what I thought the best school was in America. And, uh, if I'm going to go to college, I want to get the best, best education. And if I'm going to work a job other than chess, I, I want to be successful. And I want to, you know, do big things and have the opportunity to, to, to make a big impact. Um, and I think that um, a lot of kind of disruptors and creative thinkers go to Harvard. I kind of like that um, dynamic, and I feel like that matches with my personality and personal goals. So, so the idea of doing like the the college chess team thing—it just it at the moment it doesn't seem like the path you're going to take. No, no. Uh, I, no offense to Slu and, and Alejandro, who runs a great program, but uh, I did apply, but uh, that's there's no chance I go, unfortunately. Well, Hans, um, so you're coming back to the states, uh, probably in time for the for the national open. Yeah, most likely, and maybe I'll be back for the Chicago Open. I, I'm really enjoying life, uh, so I don't feel that much of an urge to go back. Okay. Well, if people are interested in keeping up with you and your results as you continue your journey, how can they do that? Are you on social media? Is there a platform that is best? Um, I, I'm not that active on social medias anymore, but you know, my Twitter, Instagram, or... The usual stuff. The usual stuff. I, mean, I stream from time to time. I did like a an IRL stream with, with uh, some friends in Italy. Maybe I'll do one. We were just like walking around. It was, it was a fun time. But, uh, maybe you'll see some surprise streams. <laughs> People will just have to keep uh, stay tuned in and, and, and keep an eye. Way to, good, good way to build suspense. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Hans, again, thank you so much. I know you've got uh, another appointment in just seven minutes, so I will uh, we'll cut this here. But uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to uh, Cover Stories with Chess Life, and good luck on the rest of your trip. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cover Stories with Chess Life. Our podcast will return next month on the first Tuesday, when we will again be making a deep dive into the pages of Chess Life magazine. U.S. Chess is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose educational mission is to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess. To become a member, go to uschess.org and click on the Join button, where you can find a membership option that is right for you. As a member, you enjoy rated play, print and digital copies of Chess Life or Chess Life Kids, and you help U.S. Chess grow the game. If you're already a member, consider clicking on the donate button at uschess.org. Our podcasts are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Thank you and good chess. Chess.